Well, let's take our Bibles this morning. Go to Luke chapter number one. We've been doing some work uh, here this year at the Christmas season in the book of Luke. Now, we haven't done any preaching on Sunday mornings yet, um, specifically along the, uh, the fact of his coming. So we'll take uh, this uh, Sunday morning to begin to do that a little bit more. Luke chapter number one. And maybe while you're still finding your place there, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to turn over and read our theme verses for this year. Tying that into the message today, you don't necessarily need to turn there. But in First uh, John, our text of um, our theme here for this year has been in verse number 11. Let me just read this and then we'll get to Luke 1 and we'll be, by the way, in verse number 26. Long chapter, Luke chapter 1 is, so maybe knowing the verse will help you when we get to that. But listen to these verses from John's epistle, the first uh, epistle of John, or where he wrote in chapter 4 and verse 9. And this was manifested, the love of God toward us, because that God sent his only begotten son into the world that we might live through him. Herein is love, not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation. The word propitiation means the wrath removing sacrifice. The punishment for your sins and my sins were placed upon him. And so um, he is the propitiation for our sins. And then verse 11 is our theme verse for this year. Beloved, if God so loved us, we ought also to love one another. If God so loved us. All right, so let's read about God's love now in Luke chapter number one. Luke chapter number one and verse number 26. And we'll read here this morning through verse number 38. <clears throat> and in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God unto a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin, a spouse to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And the angel came in unto her and said, Hail, thou art highly favored. The Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou, notice this, among women. Not above women, but among women. Blessed art thou among women. And when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying, and cast in her mind what manner of salutation this should be. And the angel said unto her, Fear not, Mary, for thou hast found favor with God. And behold, thou shalt conceive in thy womb, and shalt and bring forth a son, and shalt call his name Jesus. He shall be great, and he shall be called the Son of the highest, and the Lord God shall give unto him the throne of his father David. Notice verse 33, and he shall reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there shall be no end. <laughs> then said Mary unto the angel, how shall this be, seeing I know not a man? And the angel Answered and said unto her, The Holy Ghost shall come upon thee, and the power of the highest shall overshadow thee. Therefore also that holy thing which shall be born of thee shall be called the Son 
of God. And behold, thy cousin Elizabeth, she hath also conceived a son in her old age. And this is the sixth month with her who was called barren. Notice this verse, verse 37. For with God, nothing shall be impossible. For with God, nothing shall be impossible. And Mary said, behold, I love this verse in verse 38. She said, behold, the handmaid of the Lord, be it unto me according to thy word. And the angel departed from her. We'll stop our reading there and actually we're going to pick that up uh, tonight, go a little bit further and, and read even some of the words of Zacharias. So um, the two messages really fit together. All right. So um, I'm going to call attention to some of the things. He shall be great. He shall be called the son of the highest. Um, some of those, those titles given to Christ. Actually, Miss Betty, Betty Jo Dillard sang, sang this passage this morning. It was fantastic. Miss Betty Jo really enjoyed that in the Sunday school hour. Um, but it talks about the highest. But then you'll, we'll read tonight, and this is where I'm, I'm just making a little bit of a connection here this morning. We'll read tonight how that Mary viewed herself as a, the handmaid of the Lord in a lowest state. So the highest came to the lowest. So this morning, the title is this, Love from the Highest, tonight, Love to the Lowest. Love from the Highest to us in our lowest state. I trust it will be a help to you here this morning. May God bless the reading of His Word. We've um, become pretty creative. I say we collectively, we've come, become pretty creative in ways of making birth announcements or gender reveals. I mean, that's, I mean, that's like a, it's like a pastime, you know, an activity. I mean, it, it's, and it's an event. I mean, it's a big event. Um, I know when we were telling Angie's dad and mom that, that, uh, we were expecting our first son, uh, Tyler, um, we told Angie's dad, we said, um, Angie's going to have to go in the hospital about seven or eight months from now. I forget how far along she was when we, you know, we're beginning to tell everybody and maybe been earlier than that. But anyways, we'll say eight months. Angie's going to have to go in the hospital eight months from now. Man, just reeled him in, started reeling him in. What's wrong? What's wrong? And then, of course, we told him she was expecting. So it was all right. But just uh, anyways, kind of a unique way to, to announce that. Um, I accidentally announced one birth here from this pulpit, the Williams family. Uh, you all would remember that quite well. They were not letting it be known, but their pastor made it known. <laughs> and they're expecting now. So just in case you didn't know. I love it. Hey, man, I make the announcements. <laughs> uh, gender reveals. I mean, you got, you know, cakes and cupcakes and, and, uh, Hershey's candy bars. This was a neat, if you're looking for ideas, um, it's a, a, you know, these candy bar Hershey's that it's got a special, um, cover on it, but once you open up that cover, then it's Hershey's and you're colored in either, uh, she and the Hershey's or in pink, you'd color in she and, or you'd color in H E for he. How about that? It's pretty creative. Hershey's. All right. Uh, I saw, I'm telling you, there's over a hundred different ways to do this. It's incredible. Uh, team stashes or team lashes. You get it? 
Boys' mustaches. Amen? Boys all, men ought to wear mustaches. Women should not. I, I'm just saying. How's that? Anyways, team stashes, team lashes, smoke bombs, confetti, pinatas, balloons, you know, out of the box. But probably my favorite, the Tannerite gender reveal target. Oh, yeah. I mean, for all the rednecks out there, I mean, this is how you reveal whether it's a boy or a girl. And so as you shoot the box and it explodes and it's either blue or it's pink. It's awesome. Anyways, or you could just go old fashioned and find out what the baby is at birth. Novel idea, huh? A lot of creative ways, but I'm telling you, no birth announcement is like this one right here. Either really either one, you know, where John or sorry, Zacharias and Elizabeth, they receive word in their old age that they're going to have a child. And uh, I mean, he was ready to retire from the priesthood and now he's going to have to raise a son. And they were totally caught off guard by that. But I don't know of anybody that was more caught off guard by the announcement that she's expecting than what Mary was. We're going to look at it here today. But we're looking at um, how that Christ's birth specifically demonstrates the extent of God's love, namely from, from whence God's love has come. And I hope that you'll consider that with me as we get into this here a little bit. I'd like to do just a little bit of review, though, with Zacharias and Elizabeth. And uh, we've done some preaching, if you maybe weren't here uh, last Sunday night or Wednesday night, um, just kind of cleared off a spot to talk about the home, because the home's under attack today, and our homes are in danger. And, and so God broke the silence of 400 years. For 400 years, God had not spoke to Israel from the book of Malachi until the book of, we know is Matthew now, that a 400 year gap where there was no revelation from God. And that was due to Israel's sinfulness and, and their wicked ways. And, and so God didn't speak during that time, but then he broke the silence by saying to Zacharias, you're gonna have a son and you're gonna call his name John. He's going to be a Baptist and he's going to preach and he's going to turn people's hearts back to God. He's going to turn Israel's hearts to the Lord. And then it was interesting. Uh, and what we really focused on the last couple sermons was that he would turn the hearts of the fathers to the, to the children, to the sons. And, and so uh, what happens is as you get your heart right with God then you get your heart right with one another. And so we've given attention to that. And so but there are times that it feels like God is silent. But let me just say this here before we move on. Even in times when it seems like God is silent does not mean that God is not at work. Yes, there's this 400-year gap of silence from our human vantage point. But during that time when it seemed like God was silent, God was very much at work, friend. Very much at work. So here's Zacharias and Elizabeth and, and they're, uh, they, they hadn't, life hadn't gone exactly the way that they had hoped, but, but they continued to serve God. And, and, and we, we've seen this thus far in Luke chapter one, that God uses those that just keep serving him, even though things didn't go like they thought. I'm sure that there are many, many times, many days that they wish that they could have a son and or son, have a daughter, have a child, but they weren't able to. And, and yet here's what they did. They just continued to be 
faithful to God. And so God blessed him with the child and, 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 uh, and then um, he's gonna announce also to Mary and we're, we're gonna get to that in just a moment. But let me say this. Um, when Satan wanted to mess up God's will, Genesis chapter three, he started in the home. When God, even in Genesis chapter three, um, went about giving the solution to the problem, he started also in the home. Satan used Eve to bring about the fall and obviously Adam sinned. God used Mary to bring about salvation through Jesus Christ. Oliver B. Green said that God first dwelt in the home, the home of Adam and Eve. But Satan broke the union between God and man in the home. Listen to what he said. It takes godly homes to make churches. It takes godly churches to make a great nation. The devil does not begin his destruction of a nation in its capital among the leaders of the nation. He begins in the homes. On the hillsides, in the valleys, and in the cities. If Satan can wreck the home, if Satan can wreck the home life, he can undermine any nation, whether it be Greece, Rome, or the great United States of America. We need to take heed to our homes, and, and, and God here is working and bringing salvation, and He did so through the home. He, he made the announcement to a virgin named Mary who is from a little town called Nazareth in a region known as Galilee, specifically known in the Bible as Galilee of the Gentiles, because it is predominantly a Gentile reason. Now, even in our study of the book of Matthew, uh, we've been paying attention to Galilee. And now actually in our study in chapter 19, Jesus has made his way to Judea. And it's not the first time he'd been there, but this is where his, his ministry is really going to focus. But but here is um, this young, listen, listen to this, this young Jewish lady. So you, have, you really have a contrast. In uh, the first part of Luke chapter one, you have Zacharias, an elder Jewish man who's living in, in Judea, in Judah, in Jerusalem, that area. But now you have a young Jewish woman who's living in the region of the Gentiles. God works in ways we don't expect and anticipate. He worked in the, in the life of this young lady to show, I think, I think specifically he chose Galilee because the gospel was not just for the Jews, but it's for the Gentiles. It's for non-Jews. It's for us. Bacon eating people. Amen. It's for us. I like what uh, J.C. Ryle said. J.C. Ryle said that let us admire the amazing con condescension of the son of God. The heir of all things, the heir of all things, not only took our nature upon him, but took it in the most humbling form in which could have been assumed. It could have been, it would have been rather, he says, it would have been condescension to come on earth as a king and reign. I mean, if he, if he had came and dwelt in a palace, that would have been God condescending to us. But it was a miracle of mercy, he says, passing our comprehension that he came to earth as a poor man despised to suffer and to die. 
the announcement was made to this young virgin. She was um, engaged, we'd say, betrothed to Joseph. And uh, they were counting down the days to marriage. We've got a couple of weddings coming up. Caitlin Cagles to marry Lalo. And uh, that's taking place here on December the 31st. I just finished the premarital counseling for Juliana and, and Hunter. And I think their marriage uh, was 27 days away, as I asked them yesterday. They're counting down. Well, I'm here to tell you that Mary and Joseph, they were also counting down the days to their marriage. Looking forward to it. And yet their wedding plans were majorly interrupted by the announcement that Mary was expecting. Can you imagine? I mean, you're, you're literally, I don't know, weeks away, months away, days away. I, I don't know how soon it was that they were to, uh, to finalize. I mean, it was in the eyes of the Jewish people. They were already married and she's referred, he's referred to as her husband and she's referred to as his wife. But, but uh, here they were expecting that, looking forward to that. And it's, it's made known, Mary, you're a child. Look what uh, verse number 28 says about this. The angel came in unto her and said, Hail, thou art highly favored. Thou art highly favored. The Lord is with thee. Blessed, blessed art thou among women. Highly favored and blessed. Highly favored and blessed. God took probably, I mean, I mean they, got, they got married real young back then. 15, 16 years old, maybe even younger. I mean, they, it was just, it was their way, not our way, but their way. In case you got a daughter and you're concerned about her getting an idea here, it was their way. And so she was a very young, young lady and a virgin. And so here she is with, with aspirations of being a wife and being a mom. In our society, that's despised. Largely despised. I just picked back up the book Slouching Towards Gomorrah uh, by the late Robert Bork. And um, I'm, it's the subtitle to it is Modern Liberalism and American Modern Liberalism and American Decline. I'm in the section um, entitled This Radical Feminism's Assault on American Culture. So I, all right, so you say, well, man, this sounds like great Christmas reading. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so I'm literally reading about this, about radical feminism's assault on American culture. And then I'm picking up my Bible to read from Luke chapter 2. Luke chapter 1. What a contrast. What a contrast is, as I read the words of one feminist writer who said this, listen to this. I'm not trying to get you stirred up. I'm just trying to make us aware of what's going on, what the mentality is that is eroding our homes, eroding our culture. One feminist writer writes this. It is in families that the cruelest discrimination against women takes place. The patterns of family life limit opportunities in many ways by assigning them to un assigning women to unpaid work with low prestige. By denying them equal opportunities outside of outside jobs and education. By insisting that they do most or all the housework and childcare. And she says that is the worst, cruelest form of discrimination. Another feminist writer says this. 
Fortunately, the family, listen to this real careful now. She says, fortunately, the family is a human institution. Humans made it and humans can change it. I'm here to say to you, the family is not a human institution. The family is a God-ordained institution. And since God made the family, we don't have liberty to change it. And what radical feminists calls discrimination, God says, highly favored. God says, blessed. So I say to all the ladies here today, don't listen to the feminist. Listen to God. He says, you as a lady are highly favored. You are blessed to be who you are. Anyways, I just thought I'd insert that in. And it made me write this. In the midst of all the social chaos of their day, God quietly chose the family of a young lady who's about to be married to a young man to bring reconciliation into the world. You know, our, our culture's in a big mess. You know what we need to do? Just get back to the simplicity of the Word of God. And see what God says about family and the home and roles and, 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 and stop listening to all the narrative that's out there in the world and start listening to what God says. And God says to Mary through the angel Gabriel, you are highly favored and you are blessed among women. Um, highly favored, blessed means that Mary was a Recipient of God's grace, please get this straight, she was not a bestower of God's grace. If you look at verse number 47, when Mary, we're going to cover it tonight, but she gives praise to God and she says, My spirit hath rejoiced in God, my Savior. You know what that means? Mary recognized that she was a sinner. That means that Mary is with, was, a, was with sin, which means she needed to be saved. which means that Catholicism is not accurate. There are two extremes regarding Mary. There's given such attention to Mary that she takes the place of Jesus. But on the other extreme, she's ignored. Well, I think that God would have us here in his word to counteract those two extremes by being balanced to say, she's blessed. She's to be honored, but watch this, not worshipped. Honored, respected, appreciated, but not worshipped. Uh, today, folks, I, I, know that, I know that the vast majority here would understand, would understand that, but we don't pray through Mary. We don't pray through any other saints. You're a priest if you're saved today. How about that? You have direct access. The Bible says there's one mediator between God and man, the man, Christ Jesus. 
You can go directly to him. You don't have to come to this preacher and confess your sins and, or come to another priest or some other man. No, you can go directly to the throne of God and receive grace and mercy in your time of need. Gabriel foretold that his name, listen to this, in verse number, um, well, verse 30, he helps her to get settled down. And I would imagine, I can imagine as to what? As you have this, as you have this uh, angel who, by the way, appeared to Daniel of old and now is appearing to Zacharias and then appeared to Mary and, and she's overwhelmed. And he says, fear not, for thou hast found favor with God. Verse 31, behold, thou shalt conceive in thy womb and shalt bring forth the son and thou shalt call his name Jesus. Do you know what the name Jesus means? Je Jesus was a very common name in their day and time. And it's uh, Jeshua, which means Jehovah is salvation. In other words, it's this, the Lord saves. The Lord saves. His name shall be called the Lord saves. You know why? Because he came to be your savior. One man, I love this story about a, a man named D.M. Stearns who was preaching in Philadelphia and he was preaching on the cross and, and that Jesus shed his blood, which by the way, I enjoyed the, the special that the trio sang a moment ago about the manger, but the cross, it's, it doesn't end at the manger. It, he's had to go to the cross to pay for our sins. He was born, uh, the Bible says, Jesus himself talked about how he came to this earth to die for man. And, and so D.M. Stearns was preaching on the cross and the, and the blood shed there for our sins. And one man said, I don't like how you preach about the cross and the blood and the death of Christ. Why don't you preach that Jesus was a great teacher and a great example? And Mr. Stern said, well, if I teach that he's a, a great teacher and a great example, will you follow his example? And he says, well, I, I certainly would like to try. And he said this, well, here's the first lesson. You're going to follow his example. Here's the lesson. Jesus did no sin. Can you do that? If you're going to follow his example, can you do no sin? He said, well, I will confess that I have sinned. He said, sir, then you don't just need an example. You need a savior. And this morning, folks, listen, you, Jesus is a great teacher. Jesus is a great example. But listen, it doesn't end there. Listen, we're sinners in need of his grace. We're sinners in need of the shed blood. And you're a sinner today that needs to be saved if you're not saved. And she, the angel told Mary, listen, his name shall be called Jesus because he would save his people from their sins. And look what else he told her. He said, he shall be great. He shall be great. Greater than what? Greater than all. He shall be great. He shall be great. And notice this, he shall be called the son of the highest. Wow. That's our savior. That's our Lord he was talking about. Son of the highest, son of the highest. In verse number 35, he says, the son of God, he shall be called the son of God. And, and later on, John the Baptist, you still listen to this. This will bless your heart if you catch all this. He says about John the Baptist that he would be the prophet of the highest. 
He would be the one that would go before the face of the Lord. Isaiah chapter 14, verse number three prophesied that before the Messiah would come, that there would be a forerunner, a prophet that would go before the Lord. All caps, L-O-R-D, that would be Jehovah. Matthew chapter number three and, and other passages point out how that John came and was that forerunner of the Messiah. And watch this. He then is the forerunner of the Lord, all caps. That means Jesus is Jehovah. He is great. He is the son of the highest. Uh, they would sometimes say highest but out of respect and reverence for God's name. He's the most high God. Uh, there's a lot of passages that, park, that, that point out that he is the most exalted, the most high. Uh, it says in Luke chapter 1 later on, the prophet of the highest, as we mentioned, Jesus said, you will be the children of the highest. Howbeit, uh, Stephen said, the most high dwelleth not in temple made with hands. Been through the streets of, of Sri Lanka and India and look upon some of those hillsides and you see their, their temples and their Parthenons of, of gods and goddesses. But those are temples made with hands, filled with gods made with hands. Listen, our God is in the heaven and he's not made with hands and he's not in a temple that's constructed by man's hands. Jesus shall be called the son of the highest. He shall be called the son of God. You might wonder, what does that mean, son of What's the significance of that? Well, obviously, sometimes it can refer to offspring. So if we say, well, that's the son of Bill, we're saying that's Bill's son. But in the Jewish mindset, this is very important for us to understand this. When he says the son of the highest and when he says son of God, then it, it can mean more than just offspring or it can be something different even than offspring. It can be this to describe one's character. So, for example, the Jews would understand it this way and First Kings, it talks about the sons of the prophets, the sons of the prophets. That does not mean that the person that is preaching was literally a preacher's son or a, a prophet's son, but, but it does mean this, that he has the characteristics of a prophet, the characteristics of a prophet. If he has the characteristics of a prophet, what is he? A prophet, a prophet, the characteristics of, and thus he is a prophet. Jesus talked about the children of this world. The children of this world, the sons of this world, that's the idea, the son of this world or children of this world, that means this, they have the characteristics of the world, they are of the world, they are the world, okay? All right, uh, listen to this about Barnabas, son of consolation, son of consolation. That doesn't mean that consolation was his dad's name. Consolation means that it, uh, he was characterized by encouraging and thus Barnabas was an encourager. So that's why the Jews got so hot, angry, upset, and mad, ready to stone Jesus because he called himself the son of God, which is saying this, he has all the characteristics that the father has. He has the characteristics of God, son of God. He has all the characteristics of God because he is God. I like how one man put it. He said this, son of did not generally imply any subordination, but rather, listen to this, equality. Equality. Identity of nature. That is to say that when Jesus said, I am the son of God, even his contemporaries, I've already referenced this about the Pharisees, they understood him to mean that he was identifying himself as God. So here in our text, when it says that he would be called the son of the highest, that means he has the characteristics of the highest, which means he is the highest. Right. 
When it says he is the son of God, that means he has the characteristics of God. That means he is God. Wow. Look what else it says. It says here that he should be the son of the highest. The Lord God shall give unto him the throne of his father, David. Now, this is, this is a great mix of both his deity as well as his, of his humanity because he would have to come and be born and be in the line of David to be on the throne of David. 2 Samuel chapter 7, this is a fulfillment of that prophecy that he would sit upon the throne of David and of his kingdom there would be no end. God said that to David, but he ended. God said that to Solomon, but he ended. Rehoboam, he ended. And all the other kings of Judah, the kings of Israel, they ended. But of the kingdom of our Lord and Savior, there shall be no end. <laughs> he came from the highest. I can't even begin to describe to you today. The heights from which he came. The position that he had. The position that he has. As he left the throne of heaven. Come, entering human history through a Jewish virgin living in a little small town called Nazareth where God took on human flesh and became 100% man as well. 100% God, 100% man. Why? He had to die. Oh yeah, he came to identify with us, and he did. Most certainly he came to identify with us. He came to dwell among us. John said it that way. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. But he had to become man, not just to identify with us, not just to be able to relate with us, but he had to become man, just like you and I. He, by the way, he wasn't, he didn't have some kind of a, of a special body that, that didn't bleed or that didn't get tired or that didn't get hungry. No, he did all of those just like you and I did. But he had God entered human history and became man. Because he had to die for us. And he could not die as God. Can you wrap your brain around that? No wonder Mary said, how shall this be? By the way, uh, she's not looking for confirmation. She's looking for clarification. She's a lot different than what Zacharias was. Zacharias wanted a sign and God said, here's your sign. You'll be quiet for the next nine months. Couldn't talk. But boy, once he opened his mouth, he sure did. We're about to read his praise tonight. But he was in doubt. Mary's not in doubt. She's in faith. She's just simply saying, how can this be? I've never been with a man sexually. I've never known a man. That's literally what she's saying. I'm not married and I haven't been with anybody else. I haven't been with Joseph. How can this be? Look, at, look back. Are we doing all right? Is this making good sense to you here? I'm telling you, this is... This is this is a sound doctrine right here that Jesus existed prior to his birth. He's eternally the son of God. 
He had to come by a virgin birth because he existed prior to his birth. He had to enter in that by that means because if, his, if he had come by a human father, he'd be just like you and I. So he had to come because of his deity by means of the virgin birth. How shall this be? Uh, the, uh, Mary asked in verse 34, verse number 35, and the angels answered, angel answered and said unto her, the Holy Ghost shall come upon thee and the power of the highest shall overshadow thee. I studied that word overshadow. It's used in Matthew chapter 17, Mark chapter number nine and, and Luke chapter number eight or nine, somewhere right in there about how that the, the cloud overshadowed them at the transfiguration of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. In other words, that, that cloud like, oh, my soul, that, that cloud as it went through the wilderness with the children of Israel and, and rested over the, the tabernacle where God dwelt with man. Here's why he's using the same word to say, listen, God's going to be involved in this. God's presence is going to be very real here. God's going to take care of this. I don't know how to explain it to you. And the angel didn't really give Mary all the details, which by the way, you don't have to fully understand to completely trust God. You just need to know that God is God and I'm not. And he can do what he wants to. And he said this, he said, listen, God's going to take care of all that, Mary. You're going to be overshadowed by the Holy Spirit of God. And the holy thing that is born in thee is the Son of God. So he came, dear friend, listen to me this morning. He came from heaven. He came from the splendor of heaven to live here among the likes of us. And he's holy, holy, holy. Look at the last part of verse number 35. Therefore also that holy thing that shall be born of thee shall be called the Son of God. It's the work of God. 100% God, 100% man. By the way, Mary, you know your cousin, your older cousin, much older cousin, I'm making this gender reveal. <laughs> She's having a boy. You know how the and I'm I'm sorry, Mary, Mary. You, you see, sometimes you got to put yourself in the midst of this text right here. She's already blown away. And now she's going to be even more blown away. And and I'm sure she'd say something modern like this. You've got to be kidding me. <laughs> Elizabeth, my cousin's got a baby coming too. Astounding. How do you explain all this? Verse 37. For with God, nothing shall be impossible. For with God, nothing shall be impossible. You see, this announcement of the angel regarding the birth of Christ, it does, it demonstrates that God, God's love I, I wish there was words that I could put in right now that would just instantly give you the download of it because I'm not sure that I fully comprehended it all. But the fact of the matter is, friend, listen, God extended his love toward us. And we can get so commonplace with that. We forget the great lengths that God went to show his love to us. He shall be great the son of the highest, the throne of David. I mean, all that is showing his position. And yet 
in his great position as God and none higher than he, he came and dwelt among us, the lowly. For with God, nothing shall be impossible. The extent of God's love is seen in that it comes from the highest possible position in the most holy form. No one loves you more than God does. Did you hear that, young people? No one loves you more than God does. Did you hear that, older people? Include everybody else. No one loves you more than God does. There's not a higher love than that. You can't go any higher than that, friend. No one loves you with more of a pure love than what God does. Our love is tainted by selfishness. Our love is tainted by, by, uh, by manipulation at times. But God's love is always pure. He can't be otherwise. He's altogether lovely. He's altogether holy. He loves you purely. There's no sinner here too sinful for God to love. (laughs) No sinner here. I'm going to say that again. No sinner here too sinful for God to love. I didn't get to go. Some did. We had to college and career and youth retreat this past um, Friday night and Saturday. But a young man, I say young man, probably my age. (laughs) But Michael Scott from Bible Baptist Church up in Stillwater preached to the young people. Spent, I think it was 16 years incarcerated for a crime he did. But while incarcerated, as, I, as Trevor was telling me the story, somebody said, hey, could I give you this to read? A tract. He took it. Now, as I understand it, now I didn't hear it firsthand, so, but as I understand it, he took the tract and just kind of put it away somewhere in his cell. Didn't read it. One night, um, he couldn't go to sleep. And he thought this, I'll just read that tract and that'll put me to sleep. It's kind of like preaching. <laughs> he read that tract and he read of God's love for a man who was in a cell for a serious crime. And right there in his cell, if I understand right, he bowed his head and trusted Jesus to be his Savior. You know why? Because the God of heaven came all the way to earth, took on human form to die on a cross that could have been his had he lived in that day and time. It should have been ours. Why? Because God's love comes from on high to us in our lowest state. I received word of John Landy and sharing how that some of their neighbors have come to the services there in the, in, in the mission field with them. And how that his language teacher has come. Well, and, and three different services came one time to hear him preach. And then he said, I'm not going to be there next week, but you can still go. And he's been coming every week, three weeks. A Buddhist man. A Buddhist man and Buddhist people 
Well, what happened? Well, let me tell you what happened. A, a family that we love dearly left this church, left their beloved country, went all the way across the ocean. Now trying to learn the language. Why? So they can tell them about God's love who left heaven, came all the way to earth, that they might be saved and know the God of heaven. His love comes from Ohio. I want to tell you, there's no sinner too sinful that God in his loving kindness, God in his mercy can't forgive you of your sin. There's no trial too severe that God's love can't come to you. It does not matter how, how intense that trial is, nor does it matter how long that it's been prolonged. Listen, friend, God in heaven still loves you. There's no trial too severe that it somehow dilutes God's love. There's no heart too hard that God doesn't love that person. You take the hardest hearted person you know, God still loves them. There's no problem this morning too big that God can't take care of it. There's no promise too great that God has made that he can't fulfill it. Mary heard all this and she, she cast in her mind what all this was meant. She's trying to wrap her brain around that. But here's what she came down to. Be it unto me according to thy word. You, you, know, what, you know what basically she was saying right there? I can't understand all this, but I, I can do this. I can trust and I will obey. Just trust him. I was um, <clears throat> putting the final touches on even this message. And I had the song in my mind. And I guess it's because it was the song that was going on in the, on the uh, CD player that I use in the office. Only trust him. Only trust him. Only trust him now. He will save you. He will save you. Only trust him now. And I looked down at the order of service and this morning picked out for our invitation. Is that him? Only trust him. You may not be able to wrap your brain around everything, but can you understand this? I'm a sinner and I need a savior. He came to save. He didn't sin. He died for your sin. He was buried and he rose again that you might be saved. What should you do? Only trust him. I'm going through a trial right now, Brother Gaddis. I don't understand all that's going on. I don't know, even know what to do. Here's what do. Only trust him. Only trust him. Trust him where you are right now. Know that he loves you. That's based on his word. He came to save you. He came to show his love. And this is manifest the love of God toward us and that he sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins, the sins of the world. Just trust him. Father in heaven, I want to thank you this morning that you so loved us that you sent your son. The extent of your love is astounding. Dear God, when we begin to try to take it in, thank you is the least that we can say. I think about the choir's song, dear God, and meditating on the message ahead of time and, and to think about how that love came for me and set us free. I thank you for that, dear God. And I pray today, today there's someone here that is bound by sin that they would trust you. If there's someone here that's plagued with doubt or fear that they would also trust you. God, that we might, they might know your love. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand together here this morning.